okay, we're moving into a series on James. I'd like to go through the whole epistle. I, I think the whole letter, the whole book, is um, just fascinating and, and challenging and encouraging. And I hope to illuminate some of these things by the power of the Spirit in the coming weeks. Um, over the past six weeks in the Emmaus Morning Coffee Zoom meeting, uh, about eight of us or so, nine of us, I, I'd have to um, count, we've been going through the book of James. And last Thursday, we, we finished. We went through the whole book. We did a chapter a week. And I will be drawing upon those conversations often in the coming weeks as we read James. And I would encourage all of us to be reading the book of James together in the next um, little more than a month. We will start at the very beginning, James chapter 1. Today I will be reading verses 1 through 18, and next week moving um, further into the chapter. If you'd like to stand for the reading of God's Word, um, I want to make that invitation. If you are sitting at your coffee table and you have the Word opened up and you want to just uh, focus in, feel free to do that. Um, We're going to take this letter chunk by chunk and get a good sense of what the Lord has for us in these words in our time. The Epistle of James, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way. Consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance has fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God. He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, be sure that your faith in God is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord, for their loyalty is divided between God and the world. And they are unstable in all they do. Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. Those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers And the little flower droops and falls, and its beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all their achievements. God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. God never tempts anyone. Temptation comes from 
our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. So do not be misled, my brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect comes down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in the heavens. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, and we, out of all creation, become his prized possession. Or let me uh, read that last line a little closer to the original language. That we might be like first fruits of all of God's creation. May God bless the reading of God's word. Would you pray with me? God, open our minds and our hearts to receive your word, to receive your Holy Spirit. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> well, um, with all of my children uh, going through, having gone through, going through elementary school, one of the things that comes home uh, through the course of the year is life cycle projects. Do you know what I'm talking about? The life cycle of an oak tree. Um, by the way, Jack and Anna, if you are listening, you could help me out with this, right? An oak tree, you start with an acorn, and you plant it in the ground, and eventually it grows to become a, a little plant, and it grows and it grows and it grows, and it becomes a huge tree, a big oak tree, and then it produces acorns, which fall to the ground, and the life cycle continues. Another um, classic example of a life cycle, pro uh, life cycle project is the life cycle of a butterfly. A butterfly starts as a, a little egg on a, on a leaf, and then the egg hatches, and you have a caterpillar, and the caterpillar eats and eats and eats and eats and becomes big, and then the caterpillar forms a chrysalis, if I'm even saying that correctly, and then after a while, the um, emerging from the chrysalis is, of course, a mature, beautiful butterfly. And if you, uh, like me, if you've ever heard some of these stories of the little boy who watched the butterfly struggling to get out of the chrysalis, and he tries to help the butterfly, and then the butterfly is unable, because of that help, to become fully mature. Um, something happens, and the fluids that must get pushed into the wings, it cannot happen, and um, it's counterproductive. Let, the, let the, the butterfly struggle to get out of the chrysalis so that it can spread its wings to full maturity. Maybe you know of that kind of story. Whether or not the emergence of a butterfly from a chrysalis can properly be called a struggle or not, the idea of struggle, of trouble, bringing maturity, is what James has in mind at the very opening of this letter. To walk through tests, trials, hardships, brings about Christian maturity. Um, oftentimes, our translations will use the word perfect, teleos, but it has in mind this idea of growing to fullness, 
becoming what it's meant to be, kind of like a butterfly. The Bible is filled with examples of this. I think of Joseph, for example, whose big brothers sold him into slavery. Potiphar and Potiphar's wife smeared Joseph's character, throw him into prison. But Joseph would become second only to Pharaoh. He would save thousands of lives. A man of character and skill and wisdom. I think of Ruth and Naomi, the loss of their husbands. The deep, deep loss Naomi suffers at the loss of her children. A burden no person should ever have to bear. And from these crucibles of life. Ruth and Naomi demonstrate faith and courage and character. They become the line of David, the line of Jesus. Or the trials of Peter, Hannah, Esther, Daniel, Job, Elijah, Tamar, Paul, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Moses, Hezekiah, John. The Bible is rife with examples of people who go through difficulties and hardships, and it produces within them character. And my guess is any one of us can think of friends or family who we could use as examples as well. It reminds me of the words of our Lord Jesus. In this life, you will have troubles. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Think back on your life. Can you think of a time or an event that was very difficult, that you had to walk through, that changed you? I, I don't mean that necessarily changed the course of your life, though it may have done that as well, but it changed you as a person. It changed your character. It forged something in you, changed who you are, forced you to grow, even though it hurt. Perhaps it could be said that this period of time or this event, that if it did not occur, you wouldn't be who you are today. Do you have a time like that? Can you think of one? Many people can. When it comes to the the sorts of trials and tribulations that may come our way, James throws them all out on the table. The translation I read from, the New Living Translation, doesn't make it super clear, but what James says is when any, any kind of testing, any kind of trouble, all kinds of trouble come your way, think of it as an opportunity for joy. The word here means a variety or a diversity of troubles. This word is often used to describe something that has a variety of colors, like a pack of Skittles or a 64-color pack of crayons. It doesn't much matter if the trouble you encounter is the purple crayon or the green crayon or the fuchsia crayon. Troubles come in many colors, many shapes, and many sizes. But every one requires some level of endurance, some level of patience. For some of us, it's loss. The loss of someone special or the loss of a job or a friend. For others, it's a diagnosis, physical or mental. The admission of an addiction and the, 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 the long road that can be the experience of abuse or the experience of prejudice 
Or perhaps you've been betrayed by someone. It could be the heavy feeling of being overwhelmed. There's just too much for the Spirit to handle, and the feelings of discouragement wash over the heart. Maybe people are critical of you. It could be COVID. Just last week, I was talking with someone, and they said how worn out they're being by this COVID, COVID stuff. Can't we just go back? Whatever the hardship might be, we're changed. Growth occurs. We're shaped. We're not the same person after as we were before. And the journey from there to here requires that we learn and that we grow. Sometimes it means that old ways of coping or old ways of talking, even old ways of praying, they don't have the same significance for us. We need new ways. Or the old ways we viewed the world or viewed an issue or even viewed our own faith require a fresh perspective from the Holy Spirit. And when this change comes and we grow into fuller maturity, we would not want to go back to the old us. This doesn't mean necessarily that we want to go through the hardship again, but we are changed and we would not go back because we realize that now we're more like Jesus. James gives uh, special attention to the role of patience. Endurance, he says. Endurance. Did you catch that? Patience has a particular role. Endurance has a particular role when it comes to troubles. This will not be the last time, by the way, that James talks about this patience and endurance. In chapter 5, James will urge those who listen to him to be patient He says, uh, be patient like the prophets were patient, which I think says a lot about the kind of patience James is talking about. But I get ahead of myself. Trials, James says, bring endurance, and endurance needs to be allowed to do its work, he says. A work that brings fullness, completion. We would use the word maturity. Perfect, fine. Translate it as perfect. The joy that James is talking about is not joy in the trial. The joy is in what the trial will result in. The joy is not in the pain of the experience. The joy is in the endurance that will be produced from the experience. The joy is not in whatever evil may be behind the trial, the joy is in the maturity that will come when we overcome that evil. Because in Jesus Christ, we are overcomers. In Jesus Christ, we are given strength in our hearts no matter what comes our way. No matter what tribulation can be thrown at us or, as James puts it, we may fall into no matter what might cause us to stumble and fall, bringing about the variety of troubles, we know that in Jesus we are granted endurance to face the trouble. And this endurance will do its work. 
It will do its work in us, bring us into fuller maturity and into completion of our characters to the glory of God and to the the work of His kingdom. We will become men and women. We will become people of character, salt and light in the world. You know, there is some wisdom that does not come simply because of the passage of time. Some maturity, some character development does not come uh, just because the years go by. Some does, much does. But some of the most important wisdom is produced because of the trials we go through. Trials, tests, troubles. Some character development is forged in the crucible of difficulty. Long nights, lonely days, times when we wonder if we'll ever be able to muster up the courage to take one more step. And I know many of you are there now. And I want to say that one of the things James is telling us, inspired by God's Spirit, is that even in these times, the gospel of Jesus and the kingship of Christ does its work, some of its best work, Endurance does not work in vain. Endurance, James says, completes and finishes and we're changed. James is asking the Christian community to look not just at the trial, not just at the trouble, but through the trouble at what God is going to do with it. And this requires trust in God. There's no other way. Trust in the one who overcame. Trust in the one who guides and who saves. Trust, trust, trust. For James, as we will see, this will mean learning from the Bible. For James, this will mean uh, learning from what we call the Old Testament. Um, This this group that I'm in, uh, the morning coffee group, one of the biggest takeaways as we talked about the book of James covered a lot of things, but um, was just how often James is alluding to the Old Testament, quoting the Old Testament, giving examples of people in the Old Testament. And for James, uh, this is critical to our understanding of coming to maturity in in our faith. And uh, starting in verse 6, James gives some warnings of things that can pull us from a trust in God. He warns against a love for worldly ways of living. He says, you know, uh, don't be divided between God and the world. And he means, he means a worldly way of living. James will later talk about power and how a worldly way of living urges us to grasp power, to keep our power, to, to use it to control. This is not the way of Jesus. We'll see this uh, as... We go further in the letter. And here James talks about wealth. A trust in wealth can, can pull us from a trust in God. This is a theme in the whole Bible. Jesus talks about it. James also warns us, did you see this? Uh, where is it? Verse 13. James warns us against blaming God 
for things that are not God's fault. Like temptation and evil. And to aid in this, James says, don't be misled, brothers and sisters, verse 16. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God who created all the lights in the heavens and he never changes and and he doesn't cast a shifting shadow and he chose to give us birth. He's talking about what Jesus called being reborn. To put our faith in Jesus Christ, God's Messiah, that we would be changed, our sins forgiven, that we'd have entry into God's kingdom. And then James says in verse 18 that we might become like the first fruits of all creation. Um, an allusion back to these festivals in the Old Testament, one of which you would bring the first, uh, first portions of your harvest to the temple or to the tabernacle as a way of thanking God for the good yield that will come. More good things are about to come. And here James is, I really believe he's talking about the kingdom of God, that we might be a first fruits in God's kingdom, even here, even now. As Jesus followers, we are not meant to simply survive this world. That we just somehow get through, that we can just fly up into heaven. We're supposed to count, make a difference on this planet for the kingdom of Jesus. It's all over the Bible. That our lives are gifted to us by a gracious God, not only for our own enjoyment or the enjoyment of family or friends or hobbies. These are good things. But God has put us here, rescued us from this present age into the glorious age of Jesus Christ's reign that we would be salt and we would be light. James will say much more about what this all means. Care for widows and orphans. To take control and responsibility for our words. To put faith into real action. To become aware of discrimination. To learn from God's word that we like an acorn, you know, growing up and becoming a mature oak tree, or like a a, a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly, our faith would transform and grow into full maturity in Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Jesus, you are leading us You're leading us as a church, and I I trust you're leading us as individuals. As you lead our church, Jesus, give us the boldness and the courage and the faith to follow you where you lead us. And I pray, God, for those who are listening right now who are in the middle of the type of thing James is talking about, a difficult thing happening in their lives right now. They're, they're, They're... They're walking through it. And I pray that your spirit would bring encouragement and comfort, that they would find hope in Jesus, 
and that you would give them clear indications and clear signs that you are doing a work in their, in their lives. You are making them more and more into salt and light, true workers in the vineyard. Amen. And God, I, I also pray for anyone listening now who, who might not know Jesus as Lord, who may not have yet entered into Jesus' kingdom. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would show them what they mean to their Creator, remind them and teach them what Jesus has done for them in his death and his resurrection, that they might enter into God's kingdom and join God's family. I present and lift all these things up to you, Father, in the name of Jesus, who intercedes on our behalf. Amen.